From the Orion Policy Institute, this is Orion Talks. Our podcast brings together experts for a conversation about events shaping the world at the local, national, and global levels. Tune in as we discuss foreign policy, security, human rights, political and economic development, and various other issues. The founder and the leader of the Wagner Group, Yevgeny Prigozhin, was killed in a highly suspicious plane crash last Wednesday. As there are still uncertainties about the reason for the crash and Putin's role behind it, today we will discuss with our guests what the death of Prigozhin means for the Wagner Group and its operations in Ukraine and Africa. We have Colin Clark as our second-time guest at Orient Talks. Colin Clark is the director of the research at the Sufan Group. His research focuses on domestic and transnational terrorism, international security, and geopolitics. Welcome, Colin. Thanks for having me back. <laughs> uh, yeah, it's a pleasure. So how do you anticipate that Prigozhin's death will impact Wagner's relationship with Putin and the Russian regime? Yeah, it's, uh, you know, there's a lot of uncertainty, but what we're seeing now in Russia, you know, there are these kind of uh, memorials that have popped up uh, paying respects to Dmitry Yutkin, to Evgeny Prigozhin, to, to Wagner in general. And I think there's some real animosity that, uh, you know, Putin is thought to be responsible for killing these individuals that many in Russia believe were the tip of the spear, if you will, fighting for, uh, mm-hmm. you know, for better or worse in this special military operation um, and, and doing so without a lot of the ammunition and weapons that the Russian Ministry of Defense has. So, uh, you know, Wagner's revered by many in Russia, and there could be some serious blowback against Putin, against the regime, um, if the kind of remaining Wagnerites who are loyal to Prigozhin uh, decide to get organized. So without Prigozhin, so how will this affect Wagner's operations in overseas, especially in Africa? Yeah, uh, you know, they have like complex relationship and also Russian interest in the region. It's a great question. I think it's what many people are asking. Um, I wrote a piece in Foreign Affairs back in May talking about this pivot to Africa, really before Mm -hmm. we started seeing it in earnest. I think um, Russia needs Wagner and what Wagner does, uh, particularly at a time when it's kind of being crushed by sanctions. It uses uh, this kind of exchange of security for access to resources in Africa to help evade sanctions. And so, you know, Russia's operations in the Sahel are crucial and I would say indispensable to the Kremlin's overall strategy. Uh, in, in their mind, they're going to try to insert a new leader, somebody that's pliant uh, to Vladimir Putin, and try to go about business as usual. Uh, whether or not the rank and file, the kind of mid-level commanders go along with that, that's something yet to be seen. I think that's what we're all kind of waiting and watching to see how this plays out. I would just say, I would add to that, you know, with the recent coup in Niger, uh, and ongoing conflict in Sudan, there are a lot of opportunities for Wagner to expand their influence. And so I think that's why we saw the timing we did with the plane crash. Putin could no longer wait to reassert control over this proxy group and is now attempting to bring it in and to integrate it under the command and control of the Russian military. So another question is about the, the war on Ukraine. Do you think um, the killing of uh, Prigozhin will actually will affect the the fate of the war. Yeah, I think it opens up some real opportunities for Ukrainian information warfare for the Ukrainians mm-hmm. to get 
ahead of some of the Russian commanders. Um, we've already seen the Ukrainians actually reaching out to Wagner forces saying, hey, flip sides, come join us and help attack the Russians. So there's all sorts of fissures that the Ukrainians are attempting to exploit. Whether or not it makes a tangible impact on the battlefield itself, I'm a little bit more skeptical about. After the aborted coup or mutiny in late June, we really started to see Wagner being pulled off the battlefield. And there's a real kind of two-tier system within Wagner. You have the kind of old school guys that are kind of former Spetsnaz, they're more elite, very well trained. The newer folks that were fighting in Ukraine, in Bakhmut and elsewhere, used this cannon fodder and this kind of meat grinder approach. They were pulled from Russian prisons. These were, you know, convicts and, and uh, folks from jail that were in some cases in a very dystopian way, fighting for access to HIV medication, uh, f you know, fighting for just a very measly paycheck and the promise of freedom upon completing a six-month uh, six campaign. So um, whether or not that has, you know, material impact in Ukraine, um, I'm, I'm less sure about, but I do think what we're going to see in Africa in the coming weeks and months is something really to pay close attention to. Uh, Colin, thank you so much for your time and insights. Thank you. Thanks for having me.